0: Hi, and welcome to the human side of business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The human side of business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to the Elevate Business Podcast. Both myself, and McCabe, and Scott Russ are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to Meta Parlikar, who is CTO and co-founder at Casper Labs. Meta is a process oriented leader with a track record of developing business results using an incremental approach that technical teams understand. Having worked in all facets of software engineering, Meta has gained the perspective to resolve conflicts, guide and inspire teams, and bring about optimal organizational outcomes. Welcome, Meta, to the Elevate Business podcast. So glad you're here today. Thanks so much for having me on. Really happy to be here. Fantastic. So excited to dig in with you. Tell us uh, a little bit about your journey and the role that you play at your company.
1: Oh, gosh. So I uh, got into technology, actually, you know, thanks to my father, I fell into it. Um, He exposed me to computing when I was a preteen and I didn't pursue IT in college, but did come back to it simply because I was an outlier. Mm -hmm. You know, someone that had worked with IT for a majority of my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, presently now I'm the CTO and co-founder of Casper Labs, which yes. is an enterprise blockchain professional services company. And mm-hmm. we're also the builders of the public Casper network.
2: Wow, That's fantastic. fantastic.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, from a leadership perspective, where has been, I guess, the largest aha, mom, aha, mom, aha moments for you uh, at Casper Labs?
1: Oh, that's a really great question. Um, You know, for me, a a big aha moment really was, uh, you know, in terms of always trying to deliver value as a leader um, Mm -hmm. and actually stepping away sometimes, you know, as the company has grown, right? So we started, obviously, as a very small startup, and now we're up to Mm -hmm. almost 70 people And as the company is evolving from this very small core group of individuals where I was involved very much in the day-to-day operations, Mm -hmm. learning to take a step back and allowing my team to actually, you know, run things for me. Um, Mm -hmm. we, we kind of hit this tipping point. I kind of hit this tipping point in my role where when I would get involved, I would actually create more chaos and kind of muck things up. So I'm like, okay, so it's better if I just stay out of the way and, and, you know, and let you guys do what you're really good at and then find other ways to deliver value to the company. And so really, you know, the big aha moment for me is, is the transition of my role, Mm-hmm. um from being somebody that was really really hands on as a co-founder involved actually in you know specifying and and building the product and managing the actual work to really stepping back as the team grew and allowing the team to do that because they were they were you know should be empowered to do that and they were actually better at doing it than i was right mm-hmm. so that for me that was a real and it's continuous a continuous growth opportunity for me mm-hmm. right to find new ways to deliver value when I'm in a meeting? How am I going to deliver value in that meeting? How am I constantly delivering value to the people in the organization and to the company?
2: Great. And I'm curious, because we, I think we hear this t- time and again, right, it's kind of a transition of uh, you know, executive or, or being that small core team as the team grows, kind of shifting from that uh, contributor role to now empowering others to be able to do that. Um, so how, how do you create that environment? for your teams to be able to collaborate and to be able to to deliver the high performance you expect?
1: Yeah, so we have a very collaborative organization. Um, In the engineering organization, I believe that teams are kind of a representation of the hierarchy and the organizational structures you set up. So we have a single team uh, on the engineering side. It's very flat. It's very matrixed. Um, we do have, you know, principal engineers and, you know, very flat title structure, right? You're either a principal or your software engineer. And then there's, you know, two directors in engineering. And so that very flat organization um, really, really helps because there's no hierarchies, right? So mm-hmm. all ideas are heard and we come to a consensus or agreement on an approach very much through a collaborative process where everybody is heard, right? So all ideas are on the table and there's a, there's a good debate debate about the merits of the ideas. And this really brings around a lot of inclusion. It brings, you know, you bring people along because we have very, very bright engineers on the team, like really like smart guys i'm really proud of the caliber of talent we have on our team but they're also they're very passionate and so when you have really bright passionate people they'll come into and they're very creative so they'll come into a solution with a good strong opinion on how they think it should be done and so the debate process is actually can become you know pretty drawn out and as an organization we have chosen uh, very explicitly to invest the time and energy to bring everybody along. Right. So we're very Mm -hmm. inclusive in terms of, you know, uh, the merits of different technical solutions because with software you can you can really solve a problem in many, many, many different ways, right? There is—it's mm. not quite the same as building a house. You're not—you're not beholden to the laws of physics, right? Um, <laughs> when you're building software, um, so there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. So, really debating out the merits of these ideas is
0: is super important. Mm. And and what comes up for me in all of this is um, yet another question out of curiosity, Meta, in the sense of how do you bring along the human skills so that there can be active um, and healthy debates in figuring out how to skin that proverbial cat or solve the problem?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a constant feedback loop, right? So in terms of the human skills, there's a constant feedback loop and we work with people very closely to you know, talk about the merits of the idea itself versus talking about the individual, right? So when Mm -hmm. you're having a debate, you really need to depersonalize it and make it more about the topic and not the individual, because, you know, we all have things that we're working through, right? So if you it comes really from a foundation of trust right you need yeah. to have that foundation of trust and know that hey we're all on the same team we're all we all want the project to be successful we all want to build something great right we're all going to sink and swim together so let's make sure that we're not we're not engaging in any kind of personalization and and like this is this is a maturity thing right so you all want to be professionals and you want to be mature so you can always disagree about the merits of an idea. And just remember that, you know, we're all friends and family and, you know, we're here to make the project better. So really putting that at the forefront, right? When mm. we're having these kinds of debates.
0: Mm, definitely. And and it brings up another, another factor, this whole concept around trust in the workplace. Hey, mm. Scott, I mean, we've been having a lot of conversations, especially as of late with, current clients around what trust looks like. And um, oftentimes we're asked, okay, well, what is the trust formula? Um, Based on your experience with your team, Meta, what does that kind of look like if you had to explain how you continue to build trust within your organization?
1: Well, I think trust actually comes, it's, it's it's a few facets, right? So I think one big thing is allowing yourself to be seen. So knowing the knowingness of the individual, like knowing your team, other teammates, right? And so we invest, we're a fully remote team. Um, we do invest in off-sites, right? Or on sites as I like to call them, because we're always off-site. So <laughs> we, all, we all get together for on sites at some interval. And especially in the early days, we all used to live in Airbnbs together. Um, we would make meals together. Uh, we would go out to, you know, we would obviously mm-hmm. dine together. And so really you know when you see somebody in their pajamas brushing their teeth, you see that human side. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of merging the workplace and living together, and so you actually build build those bonds, right? And I think knowing knowing how a person is inside and 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 allowing yourself to be seen, and that's a lot by leading by example, right? So for mm-hmm. me as a leader, I allow myself to be seen with with the developers and create a climate where you know, we're talking about who we are and what's going on in our lives, I think also helps build those foundations of trust. And then also it's, you know, um, uh, over time, trust actually also builds over time. So you have an opportunity to work with each other, you build that rapport, you build that trust, right, over time.
2: Mm. And you mentioned the minute offline, the importance of kind of weaving work and life together uh, for your team, for your employees. Can can you tell us a little bit more about that and, and what that looks like?
1: Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people refer to this as work-life balance and I feel like it's not like you balance work and life on any given Mm. day. Mm. I think it's much more like a sine curve. You know, sometimes it's like this, sometimes it's more, you know, sometimes it's like a really extreme sine curve and sometimes it's more balanced (laughs) like a sine curve, but there are days where there's peaks and valleys. And when it comes to my personal life, so there's days when I'm working really, really hard. And then there's days where I'm able to invest in my family. Mm -hmm. And like from the team perspective. You know, we have we have, you know, benefits like unlimited time off, right? And it's kind of a recognition of there will be times when you'll work really, really hard, and that could be actually for extended durations. and then there will be times where you may need for an extended duration to take some leave. And the company isn't going to really you know, penny pinch when it comes to that, because we ask the same from our employees, right? So when we Mm -hmm. need you in a pinch, we ask for you to be there, but by the same token, the company needs to be there for you when you're in a pinch. Mm -hmm. Um, and this extends further, even across the team that, you know, um, if somebody's out because they're going through something, well, we're going to pitch in and pick up their slack and we're all going to kind of rally around them if they're going through a difficult time as an example. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and we found that, you know, overwhelmingly, there's been no abuse from the team, right? Like people have not abused the unlimited time off thing. In fact, I find myself constantly telling people like, you need to take some time off, right? Like it's, I'm looking at the time off calendar and I've not seen you take some time off in quite some time. You need to take a vacation. And and we actively as leadership push on the team to take some time off. Um, mm-hmm. There's certain members where we just observe that they're just not taking enough time off. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you need to. You need to recharge and come back because we recognize that if somebody's overworked and they haven't taken time off, they're actually not performing at their best, right? No. They're yeah. They're not giving their best. Um, and their creativity, in their ability to come up with new and innovative ideas. Um, You know, when, when somebody gets exhausted, they're not able to do that. And so you want your technical staff to be able to have those flashes of insight. Those flashes of realizations, particularly in a, in a in a emerging technology like blockchain, right? So we mm. need we need our people to be well rested.
0: Mm, exactly, and and I tend to agree with you in in the sense of other clients or experiences where I've seen companies that deploy um, an autonomous kind of leave or vacation policy that it, it almost takes it from that scarcity mode of I only have three weeks and this is how I have to divide my time, and then oh my gosh, I got to have conversations with Meta, so I can take more time off because I have a family emergency, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that, that kind of, again, scarcity mode or fearism goes away because it's almost like, okay, I'm entrusting with you that, you know, it's a give and take relationship and we're here to support you just as much as you're expected to support um, the service or product that we're, we're looking to, to scale. Definitely.
1: That's exactly right. And I see I look at things in terms of the value they're delivering, right? Mm-hmm. So, as, particularly in the software development space, if I if somebody is well rested and they have this flash of insight and they come away with an idea, they could potentially deliver a piece of value that will ten x the software, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't measure that in terms of the number of hours they're working, right? So the rubric just falls apart completely right. um, because when you start measuring the value that somebody is bringing, it, it's completely disconnected from the number of hours that they work. And it's even disconnected from their seniority level, right? Mm. It really comes down to, you know, how effective are is your staff, right? And I find that our staff, our team is much, much more effective when they're well-rested, right? They're able to think more Mm -hmm. clearly and they're able to, you know, uh, deliver more value. And that's, that's really what we want to focus on. And I look at, you know, building a startup and building a great company is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So you got to pace yourself, Mm -hmm. right? You really have to pay. There'll be small sprints in there, but in, in the, in the macro sense, it's really a marathon. And so you don't want to burn out your staff.
0: Exactly. Mm
2: And I'm curious, so throughout the growth that you've had at Casper Labs, I can imagine there's been a lot of kind of promoting within uh, and building up emerging leaders. I'd be curious to learn a little bit more about like, what are some of the challenges that you faced, uh, you know, seeing individual contributors kind of stepping into new leadership roles and how you support them along the way?
1: So in the technical sphere, specifically, the biggest challenge you'll find with uh, in technology is... There's a dichotomy between technical strength and uh, leadership capability, or even Mm. the desire to be a leader. What Mm. you usually find in the technical sphere is the highly, highly technically skilled individuals don't want to do leadership, or they may not be suited for leadership, right? Because they Mm. are these incredibly brilliant people with very high IQs. But then the dichotomy is that their emotional quotient may not be as, you know, you're talking about the Sheldon Coopers, right? And uh, love my team. We have we have our share of Sheldon Coopers, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they're incredibly, incredibly brilliant, but not necessarily the best individuals to do the soft skills and have the kind of, you know, ability to manage people, right? That are not other Sheldon Coopers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, that, and that's so- from the big
2: bang theory you're, you're referencing, is that I'm right? referencing right. the big bang right. theory, absolutely, the big always up to speed. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um, but you know, those, those personalities uh, and particularly in the blockchain sphere, right? Because it is a very early, early emerging technology. We're building mm-hmm. a layer one protocol. We mm-hmm. have a lot of highly, highly intellectual PhD level mathematicians, rocket scientists, literally on the team. And so, de- you know, developing leadership there has been really more about the soft skills, right? Um, um, you know, having these debates and managing conflict and making sure everybody is bought in and Mm. having these delicate conversations around, you know, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we're not going to go with your idea or I disagree with your idea for ABC, right? Because you can't just throw down a gavel here and say, well, we're just going to do it my way, right? Mm. We don't want to do that. That that's that's very antithetical to our philosophy here in engineering at Casper Labs. And so those are that's those are skills that we are developing um in, in prospective leaders in the organization. And it's been it's been a slow process because some of them are begrudgingly becoming leaders, right? Whereas the ones <laughs> that want to be leaders may not necessarily have the aptitude or the skills or the maturity yet to be a leader. So mm-hmm. it's been a challenge, um, but it's something that we're investing in because Now what's happening is we're growing to a point where we necessarily Mm -hmm. have to start having some more middle management in there to provide the structure Mm -hmm. and support that the
0: team needs. Mm, Definitely. And and what kind of comes up for me is how do you identify your emerging leaders? I've always been curious about this question because everybody has a different definition or lens as to how to approach it.
1: So I don't actually identify leaders in my career, right? So Casper Labs aside, I've been leading engineering teams for 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And the way I've always identified a leader is that the the team actually votes them in.
2: So the leader
1: isn't defined by me. They emerge. They Mm -hmm. actually just emerge out of the team dynamics. And it's a very organic thing, right? Um, so they're almost kind of like, it's, it, they just emerge. Like, I don't know how else to say it, except that when, when, uh, I, the team has to collaborate on a set of topics or an idea, um, I will say, okay, here's a problem you guys have to go solve. And there may be a group of five or six or seven of them that have to solve. Someone will naturally kind of say, okay, They'll structure the conversation. They'll start putting a stake in the ground. They'll start proposing ideas. They start kind of managing the conversation, right? So it just, they, they emerge. That leadership mm-hmm. naturally emerges and the team starts following this person, right? And over time, right, that's the easier way to do it because they've already kind of voted them in, right? Versus mm-hmm. me saying, well, here's your new leader, right? Right, um, right they've already voted them in. And usually what I do is I let this individual kind of operate in that role for, you know, several months, you know, six to seven months. And then we say, well, you know, you've already kind of been doing the job, right? So Mm -hmm. now you've kind of already been doing the job. These are the other things you would have to do if I'm going to formalize it into a management role, right? Mm -hmm. And usually it's a progression into team leader where they don't have like management responsibilities, but they're actually organizing the work, they're mm. getting the team to collaborate. They're setting some definition around what needs to be done. And then eventually that migrates into where they're setting goals for the team and actually doing the performance reviews and dealing with, you know, and then on top of that, then ultimately hiring and firing decisions. So that's usually kind of mm. the way I progress it along. Mm. Um, but I always let it kind of be an outgrowth of what
0: the team is, is you know, kind of choosing. Mm. That's interesting because it automatically means that they have buy-in with the, with the emerging quote-unquote leader. Exactly. Yep, Mm. exactly.
1: Exactly Mm. right. They already have buy-in and then you can actually observe their capabilities and you can coach them. Um, And so you can can observe how they're functioning in that role Mm. well before you give them the role, right? And Mm -hmm. so then once you give them the role, you actually know what areas they need to be coached in, right? So Mm -hmm. even as a leader, as you're developing this leadership, you can coach them along the way, and slowly allow them to grow into, you know, more and more senior roles of leadership because you're observing all along in terms of, you know, how that progression is taking
2: place.
0: Mm.
2: And what I love about the situation you described is exactly that it's a progression. And so you're, you're not just throwing somebody into the leadership position and kind of like it's sink or swim, but rather they have the opportunity to start to cultivate some of these skills, start to learn maybe how they're doing things uh, before kind of jumping into those specific roles,
0: yep, that's exactly right. Okay. It's it's mm-hmm. better for the entire organization, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And so, sorry, go ahead, Scott. I think no, I no, cried. Go, you go off.
2: for it, Ash. I know I, I you're excited.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm getting excited about this because, like, my coach approach and facilitator brain is like, yeah, like that makes total sense. Progression and it being organic and inclusive, but. My, my people and culture brain around like succession planning and forecasting is having a, a bit of reaction to that because it's like, you know, from a, a CEO or, or co-founder perspective, you know, how do you go about ensuring that the right people are in the right seats at the right time? Because there might be a little bit of tension or conflict with regards to the organicness of, of a quote unquote emerging leader versus the business demand.
1: Yeah, so there definitely is a bit of tension, uh, and in terms of the business demand, what I always tell my leaders is, you always want to be in a place where you can take a vacation, mm.
0: right? because
1: if you don't set yourself up in a place where you can take a vacation, then you're not actually cultivating leadership in your organization, right? So, mm-hmm. um, number one, you—I mean, from an engineering perspective, we want our engineering team to be as autonomous as possible, because then our managers and our leaders can go out, go out, and deliver other value, right? Right. Mm. Um, instead of just managing them. So one. Every leader in my organization is all, I always I kind of drill this into his head, their head. If like, if you ever want to take a vacation, right? Make sure you're cultivating leadership within your team so mm-hmm. that you can step away from these roles because you're never mm-hmm. going to be able to, I'll never be able to promote you unless you have somebody that can step into your shoes, right? Mm-hmm. So when you frame it that way and tell them your promotion is directly dependent upon you managing yourself out of a job, mm-hmm. right? To, so you can go do bigger and better things is a great way to frame the idea of like, you should have a succession plan, right? Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, that's that's what I've done my entire career is I always make sure that I'm developing my number one, one, so that I know that the organization is robust and anti-fragile, but two, so I'm promotable. <laughs> So I want to be promoted. (laughs) I want to go deliver more value and do other great things. So I need somebody that I'm always cultivating to kind of step into my shoes Mm. and and being really tightly aligned with them. So Mm. that's a message that I push down across across all the groups, right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
0: definitely for sure.
2: I I appreciate the the intentionality uh, behind that. And so, (laughs) shifting gears a little bit, what what's the vision for your team uh, looking past uh, 2022?
1: Oh, man. So we want to build, you know, uh, a really thriving business um, and real products that use, you know, the the Casper protocol. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And we want to we want to drive out the adoption of blockchain into enterprise. Uh, My belief is that blockchain will gain wide adoption only through large enterprises using the blockchain. Right. So we'll have to work with banks for, you know, fintech uh, uh, Mm -hmm. uplift. Right, and we want to work with insurance companies to see benefits for you know individuals in terms of you know personal privacy uh, information, et cetera, et cetera. So we take a very different approach than a lot of the other blockchains out there, right? So our goal is to get public blockchain adopted by enterprises. That's that's the end game, um, mm-hmm. and to build a large, thriving you know professional
0: services company, much like Red Hat um, in the blockchain space. That's our goal. Mm-hmm. Mm, That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Meta. Um, we like to ask all podcast participants, what are three words or what are a few words of inspiration that you would want the world to hear?
1: Three words, you know, um, that's, that's a challenging one. I would say if I had to just stick to three words, I would say never give up.
0: Cool. That's awesome. We really appreciate you. Uh, joining us today and sharing your leadership and entrepreneurial insights with Intuity Performance and our subscribers. So for those who would like uh, to learn more about Casper Labs, we're going to provide a link to your company profile on the Elevate Business Podcast title page. Take good care.
1: Thanks so much for having me on today. It was a pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business Podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description, where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting. Explore the whole person leadership cohort by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.